This podcast episode is supported by latinasandpower.com. Did you know that there are less than 2% of Latinas that reach the C-suite, executive level roles, or on boards? There are even less than 4% of Latinas in management positions within organizations. Yet, there are 13 million career-aged Latinas in the United States, and they are ready to take leadership. Latinas and Power Corp has been bringing Latinas together for over 20 years, and now they've created a Latinas in Leadership Institute, LILI, a women's leadership and advocacy certificate designed for early career and mid-career Latinas in the workplace and in business. As a Latina, this is your chance to level up in your organization or business and enhance your leadership or advocacy abilities. So go to latinasinleadershipinstitute.com to download their report, The Latina Pathway to Excellence in a Post-Pandemic World, and learn more about their leadership cohort or becoming a champion for the next generation of Latina leaders. Gracias. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom, where wisdom comes from everywhere. This is a podcast about generational wisdom shared to help build a bridge for future generations and to build stronger communities through education, technology, and health. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Hola, hola. You know, I am so grateful for your listenership and how we collectively can activate our community to understand our Latin power, especially in the month of September and October. You know, we can see ourselves as business owners. We can be the policy change makers, and we can be those community organizers and financiers and bankers if we just leverage our collective wisdom. As Latinas, we are overlooked as leaders in almost every industry, and we are starting to finally see ourselves in the consumer packaging market, where that is a space of beverages, cosmetics, food, and cleaning products. We hold, as a community, a lot of purchasing power to those products, as we are the largest consumers of food, beverages, cosmetics, and cleaning products. See or no? But how many Latina products are made here in the U.S.? by a Latina, and distributed by a global company. Why are we not showing up bigger when we are a trillion-dollar consumer power market? So today, let's welcome Kayla Castaneda of Aguas Bonitas, who has broken into that beverage industry with her Aguas Bonita drinks, which is a non-alcoholic beverage. And she saw an opportunity in that market, which as of 2023, amounts to almost a $500 billion market. And that's globally. That's a lot of bebidas. The market's largest segment is the segment of soft drinks with a market value of $328 billion. So she's all in in this market. Los vamos. Welcome, Kayla, to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Very excited to have you on. And also, we're coming into the Hispanic Heritage Month, also known as Latino Small Business 
Awareness Week and the time where we're all spending a lot of resources here to get our name, our brand, and just awareness into the extended universe that we're here. But we've always been here. We're here. We've been here the first. I don't know why we're the last. I don't know why we get one month. (laughs) But it's just like one of these things. And to our other community as well, it's like, why do we only get a month? I don't know. But we've been here for a long time. So thank you for joining me today, Kayla. And Agua Benitas. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into, you know, how this came to be as beverage in a very crowded industry. It is a multi-billion dollar industry. This is a non-alcoholic drink. It is made with fresh fruits and water and very little sweetener. I'm just kind of giving you a little background if you don't know about it. But we have Kayla, who is the founder of Agua Benitas. And Kayla, I wanted you to tell us from the Central Valley of Hanford, California, right there in the middle of Agricultural Center here in California, put you on this path. Why the beverage industry? Yeah, so I am definitely right in the middle of all of the agricultural things being in Hanford, California. Actually, within 100 miles radius of my house, we grow 60% of the nation's produce. So it's literally the central hub of all of this produce that gets on most people's plates. But I really had always been drawn to beverage and just like food and beverage in general because there's such a communal aspect to food and drinks, but drinks specifically, right? Like if you have something to celebrate in your life, you're like, let's go grab a drink, right? Or a business meeting, you ask for someone to meet up for coffee. And then in my case, Aguas Frescas was really a like homage to my grandparents and my family and my culture. This idea of, you know, stopping and picking up super ripe produce that was going to go to waste otherwise and taking it home and making aguas frescas for our family. So I think that there's just something incredibly communal about beverage in particular. And that's what I love about the industry and why I decided to launch Mm -hmm. my own brand. Yeah. And it was during the most, we didn't plan this, but the pandemic is when you finally stepped into this industry. Is that correct? Like, how did that come about? Because I'm thinking, you know, like the recent movie of Flamin' Hot and, you know, how they went home and they made the spices and they put it on the Cheetos and, you know, everybody wants to debate that story. <laughs> but now, but <laughs> yeah, like we had a collaboration with the Flamin' Hot movie that we weren't able to end up getting released, which was a big bummer. But I fully support like everything that they're doing there. But our story is is pretty similar to you. I had worked in beverage for a while. Like I had worked in beverage in New York and then I worked for Coca-Cola. After working for Coke, I realized that that's the kind of place where you can have an idea and just never see it come to life. And so I started consulting for food and beverage startups. And then 2020 rolled around and overnight, the companies that I was consulting for just started shutting down. And so I had a lot of time on my hands. My mother-in-law was home from Mexico. She was making us aguas frescas like every day. And I was just thinking, wow, like this reminds me of my grandpa making them. I wish I could just have this all the time. 
without having to go to the store every single day, you know? And then I was like, why can't I? If I just create my own business, I could. And then I started really digging into the market opportunity. And I was like, no one else is doing this. And Latinos are the largest ethnic cohort in the U.S. We're the fastest growing cohort in the U.S. And we have $2.7 trillion in spending power. So even if I was only making it for other Latinos, like that's a winning product to make. And I started, yeah, in 2020 and have not looked that's back awesome. since. <laughs> you know, and you touch on a very interesting aspect of starting a business and I know this just takes sometimes working in the corporate industry or maybe working with teams or just being invited into, you know, some community business resources. But research, you just mentioned how you research the market. Talk about that a little bit, like how important that is. How does someone make the analysis because that's very critical to actually stepping into saying, how do I make an impact or how do I even start this to get it off the ground, to have that information to say this is going to work, right? And to really believe in it. I know that's a big question. You know, it's all multifaceted there, but. Yeah, well, at first it was just an inkling, like a very strong inkling, you know, where it's like, I love alas frescas. Everyone else loves alas frescas. You know, this is a winning concept. But then you really do have to sit down and start doing your research because sometimes if no one else is doing it, there sometimes is a reason why no one else is doing it. It might be because there just isn't a demand for it or it might be too difficult. There's a variety of reasons why someone else might not be doing it. In our case, Aguas Frescas right now are a $2 billion market in the U.S., but they're dominated by like fountain and restaurant versions. And we already knew, like being of the culture, how prominent and popular this type of drink is. So we knew that there was already like a consumer education element that maybe big corporations just were not seeing because they're not a part of the culture. And so when you start looking at it like that, then you really start to think like, okay, how can I differentiate myself, right? Like we don't want a conversion, we want to do a ready to drink version. And does this have the potential for lots of people to immediately understand what we're doing? And the answer was yes, it does. And so that was really how I assessed the opportunity to start it. And thought like, okay, this is going to be like a worthwhile use of my time and money and resources. Yeah. So that's like a SWOT analysis kind of overview, right? You look at the market opportunity, you look at competitors, as you just mentioned, and then you saw the opportunity to step in. But how you get there is a whole other thing. You're like, okay, here it is. Let's make this work. How did you start to build the testing for this, a taste testing how did you decide to put it in cans versus bottles? And then also, I want to talk about something that's very important because it affects us globally here in California, and that's the sourcing. And that's sourcing for all the things I just mentioned, right? The cans versus plastic, fruits and vegetables, like the manufacturing aspect, I can't even imagine. Like, how did you even get there from like, let's just smash some fruit and add water to the sugar, this tastes great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
starting a beverage brand takes a lot more technical expertise than I think a lot of people realize. For starters, we are in aluminum cans because for us, it was really important to have a recyclable material in our packaging. And aluminum is infinitely recyclable, but also the most likely to be recycled. So that was super important. But I mean, choosing to be in aluminum cans has come with its fair share of trial and error. Like we had cans exploding on us. It was tough. And it's because we use real fruit in our drinks and we really wanted to be shelf stable that that took a lot, a lot of testing. I think, you know, maybe if I were to go back and start over, I would resync our packaging a little bit more. But we did it because of the eco reasons that were super important to us. But yeah, you don't know how to get something packaged without really like enlisting a food scientist, right? Because in your kitchen does not scale commercially, at least not for beverages most of the time. There's some other snack categories that definitely can, but beverages in particular are just one of those things, you know, you're probably not going to have a can seamer or a bottle or, you know, just lying around. And choosing to go that route means that you have to like enlist a food scientist. You have to find a place to source all of your raw materials from cans. And in 2020, there was a big aluminum shortage. So it was super hard to get cans. We had to like buy a ton of them at a time. And then all of these things, like it takes money to do it. You know, you have to pay for people's time. You have to pay for raw materials. So there's a lot to think about when you are starting to get something off the ground. Yeah, I'm there with you. Like on that scale, that's why I'm saying you had this big vision, right, of touching so many people, not just staying in a local aspect, right? Because you could just easily open up like a little, you know, puesto, as they say, or like a restaurant and partner with somebody and just sell there, right? But you were thinking big. And that's the thing. It's like, did you go online to the SBA to find financial resources or to source some of your team? How did you build the team? And then I feel like you had to have all these components in place or just kind of like a puzzle before the money. It And that's the chicken and egg part, right? It's like, do you get the money before you get the team or do you reach out to people to help you put this together and then you get the money? That's a hard one, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's like a teeter totter. You know, you kind of are always just like going back and forth on both sides. I think something that you mentioned is like you had the vision to grow this in a large capacity. That vision was what I used to get other people excited about what we were building. And we really financed the business early on. I went and I competed in as many pitch competitions as I could, and I won every single one of them. And it was because I was like so convicted with our vision of building like this next billion dollar brand that, you know, we were able to get this early seed money through these pitch competitions. And then as we started to assemble things, you know, some of our team members came to us really just through happenstance. Our first employee, who is our head of creative, and he really helps with everything. I mean, all of our branding that you see, all of our photos, all that's done in-house. The way that we crossed paths with him was that he just did a one-off project for us. 
And we just loved his work so much that we just asked him to do more of it. And then he came on as like a part-time contractor. And then after six months, he was a full-fledged employee and he's still working with us. So it's been a couple of years now that he's been working for the company. And so I think it's one of those things that sometimes the puzzle pieces just fall into place, but sometimes they like really, really don't. And like you can kind of like try to fit a piece where like it just does not belong. And then you'll figure out like at the end of the day, like that piece just like does not fit in this puzzle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And part of this too is when you say everybody has to be in alignment to the big vision and have that passion, it takes a lot of energy. But you also have to have all the financial stuff in place, like your entity sent. You have to have a bank, you know, all the fundamentals, right? I mean, you build as you're flying, right? It's like you're building the plane as you're flying kind of thing. But when it really starts to take off and people see the energy and the passion, it's like the law of attraction is real, people. It really is. And I think that's what was happening for you during this time when you first started, right? How did you find the manufacturing plant? Like you said, you had to find all these people. Like, I mean, that I can't even imagine how hard that must have been. Like, where do you, how, like where? <laughs> a lot of trial and error. I would say like Google can be your best friend, but Google can also lead you astray because some of the first co-manufacturers that we approached, we found them on Google and seemed like everything was great. And we got burned bad. Like we got product made that just sucked and couldn't get our money back. And like it just was a huge drain of like time and resources and energy and really just not knowing if this project was going to make it to see another day. But I would say if you don't have the industry knowledge, like you really have to get plugged in with people that do. So like you need to take the initiative to like do those webinars, start networking, talk to other founders if they will give you 15 minutes of their time. You know, like the food and beverage industry is a lot more supportive to one another than it seems like, at least on the like small business side, because we all know how difficult and how expensive it can be. And like no one really wants you to suffer the same way that we've had to suffer in some cases. Yeah, I mean, it's really about economies of scale. And that brings me to another point, right? And that's distribution. Once you get past all these barriers and then distribution comes into it, right? And that's partnerships or how do you get the distribution? Because you just can't have products sitting around, right? You were talking about shelf life. So, I mean, did you start small or did you like tap into funders to get the distribution aspect? Because that's really tough. You really have something differentiated to stand out and you have to choose the path that's best for you. Like for us, we knew that we wanted to be first movers in the space. We really wanted to like define the category and we wanted to distribute on a larger scale, but it's expensive. It's expensive. And it is not for the faint of heart or like if you do not have a deep pocket. And so like, you know, the financial side of the business is something that we're always working on and looking for new strategic capital because also you can get a new distribution partner, but getting on the shelf is just step one. Like you have to invest in so many other things to get your product to move, right? Like 
getting on shelf is just getting the opportunity to sell your product. There's so many other things that you need to do. I was explaining to someone today that we have 1,300 stores right now that we're currently offered in, but it costs a couple hundred dollars to demo in any given store. So if you do the math there, that means that it's over a quarter million dollars just to demo once in all the stores that we're in. So if I wanted to do that once every quarter, that's over a million dollars just to demo product in the stores that we're in. So it's like that's only one marketing aspect, you know, like unless you guys have a million dollars, you know, just lying around, you know, that's um, that can be like a insurmountable thing to face for lots of people who don't understand and just want to like grow at all costs. Right, right. No, absolutely. And then there's product placement on the shelf, like in the store. That's that's a whole thing too, like where you are on the shelves. If anybody knows anything about shelving products, I used to work for a marketing company and it was all about where you place the products from most expensive to least expensive, who got the most shelf space, based on all the products and the brands. I mean, it is highly competitive. That's why I'm so impressed with just understand that arena. And it's tough. It's so tough. So you touch upon the financial aspect, which it does cost a lot of money. When you first started, I'm sure you didn't, maybe you had an idea, but did it come from, as they say, the friends and family? Because a lot of comunidad doesn't have like deep pockets, you know, it's like, pass the bucket around and let's get it there. And then it's like, well, do you have savings? Because a lot of founders want to know how much money you've invested yourself or where you've gotten some resources. Are you able to get a loan? All these different things when you start talking money. So was it friends and family first or was it just you went straight to pitch? Yeah, I I wish it was friends and family. If it were up to my friends and family, if they had it, they would give it. You know what I mean? But They just didn't have it. And so I think that that's the same for many, many Latino founders is that you don't have that network that can just like pour money into it. So for me, like going out to pitch and win money and find like equity free grants and programs like that was the really only way to make this a reality. And I put in all of my savings. So like I would not do that now, probably. But like before, like, you know, I didn't have my babies yet. You know what I mean? I was just like, I had such conviction that this was just gonna work that I just kind of went all in on it. I couldn't qualify for a loan or like anything like that. So like I had to go and pitch and win money. That was really it. Grants and pinch competitions. We will actually be opening up a like community round to invest in Agua Bonita now because I do think that it's super important for our community to be able to take part of the upside of our success. And so we have that launching pretty soon in the next month or so. But I mean, yeah, back then it was just like, I'm just going to put in every dollar and cent that I have and go out and pitch my butt off and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it's about. What you just said is a conviction. I know right now you say, I wouldn't have probably done it then, but had you not done it, you know, would you be where you are? And that's the other thing I hear a lot about when I go to conferences or I'm talking to leadership cohorts about 
funding for women of color is confidence. The confidence factor in raising money, getting money, even putting all your money in, if you have it available or friends and family going out there is a really big challenge because a lot of those conversations aren't had sometimes in our families. And I've had podcasts about this, like we didn't grow up hearing these conversations, right? We're not at these tables of family members that work at banks or that have started their own business. Many of us, I'm not going to say all, I'm just going to say many of us because some of us do, right? And that's where we're changing the dialogue with young women like yourself. You've been on Forbes under 30 and, you know, you're really paving a new language, a new pitching. You've had some great backing to this next level, right? You're going next level because you said you're in 1300 stores, correct? You have to demo for that. So how do you find the right investors to keep you going in this next level of distribution? Because that's you're adding another component to your business, right? You're moving beyond where you were. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm still figuring that out. I didn't grow up with this kind of knowledge and even my professional career working in beverage, you know, I worked for a huge corporation, so I didn't have to worry about budgets and things like that. And so that's still something that I'm figuring out as a founder, as a Latina founder, as a woman founder, like all of those things on who do we partner with that can help us get to that next level and do it the way that we want to do it. Because I will say like, you know, there's definitely a capital out there if you're willing to compromise on a lot of things. And that's just always going to be, you know, a real time call that you have to make at the end of the day. There's some things, you know, that have been floated our way that don't really like sit right with my spirit. You know what I mean? And it's one of those things where it's like, do you walk away from, you know, a potentially like trajectory changing amount of money because of your conviction on this thing? Or like, is that the wrong move to make? And I guess, you know, only time will tell. Right. And that is a beautiful opening to where we are today, especially with young folks that like yourself, you know, I want to bring a lot of experience from your perspective to our perspective and vice versa, right? In asking and sharing that knowledge between us, the intergenerational conversations, that's what I say, right? Sharing wisdom. And the thing is with, you know, millennials and Gen Z women, especially women of color, they are more aware of this aspect of spirit in the things that they're putting into the world, which I totally love. And I understand exactly what you're saying. And I want to just put in there that when we do decide to do that, and when companies start to realize that we're pushing back a little bit, would you agree that that holds more power for you? Or does that still reign power for them? I have my own opinion, but I'd love to hear yours first. Well, what do you mean exactly? Like, when we push back, like, is it more powerful for us or powerful for them? What do you mean? So the power is, like you just said, you were talking about how can I sit with that amount of money knowing where it's going to take me versus can I wait for the right 
investor to show up, right? Asking for that alignment, right? It's like, it's a call, right? It's a hard call. So I want to say we're more empowered, but it is a hard call because when you got bills and you're like, okay, someone's asking you to put pallets in their store, you know, in New York, and you're like, shit, I don't have enough money. It's a hard call. It is. It's a hard call. But I think that there have been times recently where I have come to the conclusion that like if I walk away from this thing, something better is waiting for me. And I just have to believe that that is true, you know, because like that's the only way that I can like make peace with that decision if that's the decision that I'm going to make. And I think that like it goes back to like our community because like Eva Longoria recently said something about the Flame and Hot movie where she said, you know, like you guys have to show up for us because they are waiting for me to fail on this, you know. And so like you have to show up to show them these big corporations and the people that fund these projects that this is worth funding, you know. And I think that that's how I feel about like our product being in stores and then like opening up a community round and stuff like that is that when something doesn't sit right for my spirit, it's not just for me, it's it doesn't sit right for all of us, you know, because if I can go and accomplish all of these things or whatever, all these accolades, and I'm still going to get jerked around, then what's going to happen to the next woman that's up, you know? And like, who else is going to be an example that companies like mine, like are worth existing and like worth investing in and products like ours are worth buying? If not me, then who? And like, why can't it be me? You know, and so I think that there's just like a lot of peace to be made in some really difficult decisions and like having a team that really like shares that vision and understand and is willing to like roll up their sleeves when times are hard is also a big part of it. I mean, like when we were starting, me and my man used to go and sell homemade aguas frescas from a trailer community events to pay our bills, all of my money into launching this. You know what I mean? And now like my team, they are behind the scenes, like rolling up their sleeves, figuring out like what we got to do to get to that next level, you know? So yeah. Yeah. That was fucking awesome. So I just want to say that was amazing. And the other thing is, now that you get to this point, you've had over, I want to say, $2 million of investment, right, to get you to that next level. Here's the part that I always struggle with myself. And it doesn't matter the amount of funding. It could be $2 million. It could be $200,000. It could be $10 million. It doesn't matter the amount of funding. It's the amount that you're able to pay for all these things to get the product out or the service out or the brand or this podcast out. And then it's like, when do I pay myself after I've paid everybody else? And how do I keep my spirits when I know this is bigger than me and how much emotional energy, right? Like, because we have our ups and downs. So let's talk about that because I saw your post recently and it's, it's fucking hard. It, it's hard. I mean, if you haven't gotten this far and understand how hard it is, you're about to understand it gets harder. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. Like, I chose this, right? But it's incredibly difficult. Like, you know, we raised $2 million. That was almost two years ago. 
And you can look at that and be like, wow, that's a huge amount of money to raise. And for a Latina, it is actually. I'm the first Latina in our industry, like fully Latina-led brand to ever raise $1 million, right? That's what landed me on the Forbes list. But when you look at similar brands who have less distribution than us, but are led by like white men, like they're raising $7 million at the same stage with less distribution. So like we are showing up to the fight with like a lot less resources than brands that are not even having the same successes that we are. So that just shows like the imbalances there still. And I think just like I just had a baby. And so like it's one of those things where like if my partner could have had the baby for us, he would. you know what I mean? But it's impossible, you know what I mean? And it's like, am I supposed to put like my whole life on pause, you know, to just coil away at this? Or do I still, you know, do something for me? And like we had it in our plans to have a baby, you know? And so that's what we did. And it, But it, it does make things, you know, more difficult. And it's not the same kind of way to navigate that our male counterparts are navigating their businesses, right? Like I got asked to put together like contingency plans regarding my pregnancy when I know that there was other founders that had kids that did not get asked to put together contingency plans and it was because they weren't the ones pregnant, you know what I mean? And so that's just like a tough reality and it's stuff that like happens behind the scenes that there are just all of these elements sometimes working against you and I think it's important for the public to like look behind the scenes every now and then because stuff like this is really common doesn't matter how successful you are it still happens right no I mean that's the part I wanted you to share it does and you're right we all make these choices nobody's forcing us to do these things and we're doing it like yourself out of pure conviction like something that is driving you towards this mission right to like bring this product into our shelves and to taste it and it's part of our culture so I mean there's like a deeper conviction coming through right I mean that's kind of the inspiration right that you had it says it on your website right like that's where I want to leave it with right now so you're moving into a new realm and that part is called growth when it's hard like that it's a new growth spurt right it's like a tree doesn't stay a sprout for long. It breaks through and then it starts to grow and then it needs all these things to keep going, right? It's so important. The whole environment has to be a part of it. So with that, finding the inspiration, how do you find the inspiration to keep going? What is it that drives you in that capacity? Because I know you were touching upon it a little bit, but what, what else? Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's just because my story is not just my story. It's our stories. You know, my story is just one of a million stories that are so similar, right? Where we took this inspiration from the things that our grandparents did, the way that we grew up, and like a celebration of our shared culture. So it's not just my story. It's our community's story. It's our culture. It's for the generations after us, you know? So it's not just about me and my idea and wanting to make this work it's making it work for all of us because someone has to and someone has to show them that it can work because if one can do it then that just opens up the doors 
for many, many more to do it, you know? And so that is something that like I think about all the time and on the days where like I am running out of gas in my tank, you know, my family and my partner in particular are always just like, give it your all because you don't ever want to live with the regret that you just didn't do everything that you could. And I know it's hard and I know you're tired and I know you are doing everything, but like just lay it all out there because this is the one shot to do. Yeah. And they got you. That's part of it, too. They're supporting you. Right. So that's it. You got to build that support network. And if they're saying go for it, go for it. But you also have to fill your cup. Right. Because then you you got to take a, you know, a breather every now and then. So that's what I, I'm learning now myself is I felt it just this past spring. So I know where it goes. It can really bring you down. So what brings you joy right now in this moment? And you're really building something for your family, your children, right? And that your ancestors, you know, have brought you into this moment to bring this out. Like what brings you that joy? Like what makes you like just kind of sit there and go, I'm I'm recharged again. Like, you know, bringing all that in. That's a big question. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it is a big question. I think just being able to see my baby is one of those things that just level sets everything you know and it just like brings you down to earth and just roots you in reality and that like some of these conversations don't matter the conversations are like I'm getting my ass chewed out and stuff like that <laughs> or like or like you know or like someone's trying to like bully me or whatever I hang up and then I turn around and like my baby's there and I realize, you know, like none of that bullshit matters, you know, at the end of the day, like, do I hope this works? Do I believe this can work? Absolutely. But if it doesn't work and if I have to rely on family, food stamps, whatever, my baby's going to love me. My family's going to be there and everyone's going to know that I did my best, you know, and so I think just finding that joy in looking at my baby and like being able to spend time with him, even if it's like tumultuous right now, has been a source of joy. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, thank you, Kayla, for joining me today on Latinas from the block to the boardroom. How can we find you? How can we connect with you? How can people find, you know, more information about Agua Bonitas? So the best way to connect with me is on Instagram either at Drink Agua Bonita or at So Fresca So Clean. The best way to support us is to go and buy our product at Whole Foods or Target or Southern California Costco's. And if you want to be a part of what we're building, you can also find our WeFunder launching really, really soon. Awesome. And will that be on your website? It will. And if you follow us on Instagram and everything like that, you'll also have all the information there. So at Drink Agua Bonita for everything, our website, our Instagram, all that. Cool. I love it. I'll be there. You got my wallet open for sure. <laughs> all right, girl. Thank you so much. I have many of blessings course. to you and all the success. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you, Kayla, for joining us today on Latinas from the block to the boardroom. As Kayla mentioned, you can follow them on Instagram at Drink Agua Bonita on Instagram, and you can go to their website at Drink 
aguabonita.com to find a store locator near you. You can also find her if you'd like to reach out to her at Kayla, that's K-A-Y-L-A Castaneda 10 on LinkedIn. This podcast is supported by Latinas Empower, a network of thousands of Latina professionals and entrepreneurs across the United States that are ready for leadership opportunities. To learn more about Latinas in their Leadership Institute, you can go to latinasinleadershipinstitute.com for more information. I hope you really enjoyed this podcast as an intro into our entrepreneur and leadership type of podcast that we will be hosting very soon in the near future, along with all the other amazing podcasts we'll be hosting in 2024, especially for the election year. Again, policy change makers, business owners, community organizers, bankers and financiers in our community, we can leverage power for next year's election together. So let's get on board and start following each other. You can follow us, Latinas B2B, on Instagram. You can follow us on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel at Latinas B2B. And we're also on Facebook and X, formerly known as Twitter. If you'd like to get in touch with us about a sponsorship opportunity, aka supporting this podcast, you can reach out to us at info at latinasb2b.com. This podcast was produced by Teresa E. Gonzalez and sound engineered and co-designed by Robert Lopez. For more information, please reach out to us for a sponsorship opportunity or how you can be a part of this podcast by becoming a guest that fit into education technology or health industries or being a community champion to change the narrative in technology. Reach out to us at info at latinasb2b.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Gracias. Gracias.